Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in for another Now What Wednesday. And I'm so grateful for all of our new listeners who have joined uh, recently. We've seen a big bump in numbers, and I know it's because all of our amazing, loyal fans of the show have been sharing episodes um, with their friends and their family, and I'm just so grateful for all of that. So this week on the podcast... We have a really hot topic, (laughs) and it is very timely because right now uh, in the media, there has been a lot of conversations about ageism, and a very prominent Canadian news broadcaster who was um, removed from her contract prematurely, and the speculations that it had a lot to do with her age and her deciding to go gray um, with her hair on, on air. So, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about ageism in the corporate world, in media, um, you know, for those who are in front of the camera or even in the boardroom. So I'm so grateful to Cheryl for having come on the show and sharing her story of being told that she was too old and the timing is just perfect. So a little bit about Cheryl. She is an author, dancer, martial artist, and physical therapist. She is also a former chronic pain patient who began the journey of self-healing and lifelong learning after she was told by her medical team that she would never recover. She went from being a chronic pain patient to a physical therapist in private practice. Cheryl integrates her personal experiences of recovering from debilitating chronic pain syndrome with her education and experience as a physical therapist to help her clients enjoy a vibrant and healthy life. So without further ado, let's get to the now what? Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank, now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was gonna do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own, I just blank, now what stories, so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friend, did you just think to yourself, I just love this podcast, now what? Well, I hope you do, and if you did, I got the answer. Become a patron and support the show. For just a $5 financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. Plus, you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a $10 a month contribution, you'll become an all-access patron and also get bonus exclusive content from me and some of our guests. Behind the scenes, Q&A, bonus questions, all of it. So head over to patreon.com backslash I just blank and now what? Or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today. Well, hello, Cheryl, I love. 
Well, hello there, Jessica. How are you? I'm doing so well. I'm really excited that we got to finally connect today. So obviously, I just read your magnificent bio to all of the people, but I always love for guests to come on and just share a little bit about themselves in their own words or things that you want people to know about you that aren't kind of like written in the bio. Like what's cool about Cheryl that you're like, oh, people need to know this about me. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Let me see so much. I'm from a small steel town in Western Pennsylvania, uh, which is why I now live here in Colorado. I moved out to Colorado just about three or four days after graduating college with one of my college roommates. She was originally from Cleveland and she didn't want to stay or go back to Cleveland after we graduated and she didn't want to stay in Pittsburgh. And I had a lot of motivation to get out of town and Mm -hmm. leave my hometown and the Pittsburgh area. So I looked at her one day and I I said, Hey, Berta, why don't we just go to Denver? And she said, okay. You know, I was a downhill skier. She was a cross country skier. We needed a change in our lives. We had just graduated college. So we packed up my 1974 Ford Maverick and drove from Pittsburgh to Denver. And the funniest thing about it, I mean, it's a great story, but every single morning, We had to start that stupid car by hand, okay? It was ridiculous. And I was a blonde at the time, a very long blonde hair. So there we are across country, these two young women who everybody didn't think we knew what we were doing, but obviously we did. And every morning in front of the hotel, I'd just, you know, get under the hood of the car, lift the hood, and I'd start, you know, messing around with things in the car and she'd be behind the wheel and everybody would be in the background laughing at us. And then I would say, hit it, Berta. And she would turn the the ignition and the car would start. And that's how we made it. All the way. Cool. You know, road trips are the things that make or break relationships. (laughs) Well, we survived that. And actually, we are both still living in Denver. Oh, nice. Excellent. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Love that. Love. I love those origin stories. All right. Well, we're going to go back and talk about another story today. Actually, probably going to be a couple of stories that you're going to kind of weave together. But the topic we're talking about is I just got told I was too old. Now what? Mm. And I think this is such an important conversation to have and story to share because so many people right now are being subjected to a lot of ageism as it relates to companies and jobs, you know, wanting to go younger and really kind of maybe overlooking more experienced, mature individuals and what they could possibly bring to the table. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let you go rewind the tape, take us back to, you know, when this happened and what happened and how did that impact what you did next? Okay. Let's just start with this idea of ageism, ageism, because I was, I've been thinking about it a lot. And even when we were very young little kids, you know, we were told you can't do that yet. You're too young. You can't do that. You have to wait until you're older. And so it's always like this magic. Okay, when I'm older, I'm going to be able to do so many things. And then all of a sudden you get to be a certain age, maybe a teenager, and then it's act your age. And so it's almost like we've been conditioned from the time we were very young, that age was a very important thing. And it is in a lot of milestones. I mean, you know, you don't want five-year-olds driving a car, right? You have to wait until you're a certain age, go through the proper process. And the same thing with a lot of other things. So that is very important. But I think that we put way too much emphasis on age, which really is just a number. And the first time that I can remember hearing, you can't do that. 
because you're too old. I was, I think, 18. And it was my first year in college. I was a freshman at the small state college. And there was a, an adult ballet class that was in town. And somebody said, hey, why don't you take this ballet class? And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. I haven't taken ballet since I was four years old. I did the one year obligatory year of ballet and tap. And then my sister's older sisters quit. So did I. So I said, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. And my roommate at the time, who we were friends from high school, and she says, you can't do that. And she laughed at me and she says, you're just too old. You don't want to do that. You're going to be in a class with girls who have been dancing since they were five years old. You're going to look like an idiot. You're way too old. And I thought, oh, she's right. I am going to look like an idiot. I am way too old. And I was 18 years old. Literally like the prime of your life, right? <laughs> Not even just, I was on the jumping block, you know, exactly. to find the prime of my life. So I didn't do it. And it was a year later. One of my cousins was at the college with me. She's two years older than me. And she had been taking that adult class. And I was shocked that, God, she's two years older than me. How could she do it? And she kept telling me, you need to just come to class with me some Saturday morning. And I kept thinking, I can't do it because I'm too old. So that was still in the back of my brain that I believed it. Because yeah. somebody told me you can't do it. But yet here was my cousin who was two years older than me. So finally, she wouldn't take no for an answer. Bless her heart. Incomparable stubbornness runs in the family. <laughs> so she showed up one Saturday morning at my dorm room with an extra pair of ballet slippers and a leotard. And she said, you're coming with me. And I said, okay. So I did. I went to ballet class with her. I fell in love with it. And I danced for years. I mean, I still take ballet classes now and it's been a long time. So anyhow, that was the first time. And I thought, wow, that was weird. What if I had believed my college roommate, I was too old and I never, ever danced. That is a huge part of my life. It has been for over 40 years. So many of my friendships, so much of my health and my wellness and vitality and physicality came from ballet. That part of my life would have been missing. Yeah. And then where would I have been? It's crazy how other people's projection land mm -hmm. on us. And sometimes if we are susceptible mm -hmm. to that message, it like literally seeps into our muscle memory and we adopt it. Mm -hmm. And other times, you know, if your defenses are up, you can repel those beliefs from other people and been like, hell I am, I'm doing it anyways. So yeah, it's really interesting how other people's projections impact our actions moving forward and our belief systems, especially at a young age, like 18, mm -hmm. like that's very, that's still in the time. And when you kind of, your core beliefs are really starting to really mm -hmm. take hold, you could have kept that forever. Oh, absolutely. And I did for a long time, still have it in the back of my mind, but I loved what you said about, you know, when our defenses are up, we can fight against it. But when we're feeling vulnerable or when we're feeling lack of confidence or insecure, then we don't have that capability to stand up and say, uh-uh, let me show you what I can do. And that's basically what happened going to the next part of my story. A nice little segue when I was once again told I was too old and it was devastating for so many reasons. And just to let your listeners know, when I was in my mid-30s, actually it was probably it started in my early 30s, I had what started out as a tightness and discomfort in my low back quickly spiraled out of control 
to a full blown chronic pain syndrome where I had to cut back on my hours at work. I could no longer go to ballet class. I could no longer go to my Pilates classes instead of, or go skiing. And the only thing I could do was go to all my doctor's appointments, my physical therapy appointments, see the massage therapists and everything that the medical profession was doing for me. And this is Western medicine. I am a Western medicine trained person. I was a respiratory therapist, my first career for 17 years, and then a PT for over 20. So I wasn't a PT at the time, and I really didn't understand what was going on in my body. So I did everything I was told. Uh, I did all the exercises and the stretches. I took all the medications. I did everything. And instead of getting better, I was getting worse. So I just kept spiraling down for two and a half years. I lived like that. I lived the life of a chronic pain patient because everybody kept saying chronic pain patient. Again, like you said, the muscle memory and your brain tissue takes it in. Even if you inherently really don't believe that's who you are. You adopted the label. Yeah, absolutely. And it came to me from my medical profession. And so that's what I was. I was this chronic pain patient. And it was when I was 36 years old, one of my doctors, I was at my appointment and she told me that I would never be able to do my grocery shopping and my laundry all in the same day because the arthritis in my spine was so severe, I would end up getting bedridden. And I looked at her like very confused as though this information wasn't computing in my brain. And I looked at her and I says, you don't understand. I'm planning on going back to ballet class. She laughed in my face and said, you don't understand. You are a chronic pain patient. You will never have the life you had before. You will never have the life that you expected to have, but don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. And then she told me to start applying for disability because I was going to need it. Again, I'm 36 years old. What do you do with information like this? And she knew that one of my goals was to go to graduate school to get my master's degree in physical therapy. And she said, oh, and you can forget about physical therapy school. Oh, and then she did tell me, she says, even if you could do ballet, you're just way too old. It's for teenagers. And then when I said, you know, she says, forget about physical therapy school. Because even if you could do the work, which you can't, because you're way too injured and way too broken, you're too old for physical therapy school. So boom, 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 all of these hits that I took in that one sitting about this is her prediction for the rest of my life. This is what I'm going to have to live with. She shattered my dreams. She destroyed my hope. She absolutely demolished my spirit. And said, don't worry, we'll take care of you. Go home and have a good day. Wow. I can't even fathom what you felt in that moment, because that is literally someone taking a sledgehammer to your life. Absolutely. And of course, I was devastated. And I cried all the way home. And when I got home, I hit rock bottom for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden, and I don't know how it happened or where it came from, but I got my fighting spirit back. And I heard this voice in my head that said, this isn't you. You don't have to live like this. And you are the one that needs to figure it out. So it was one of those epiphanies, you know, mental head smacking moment. So it's like, okay, what am I going to do? And so what I did was first thing I did was I fired my entire medical team because they weren't yeah. helping. Thank you. They weren't helping me. They were making me worse. And I realized that. 
And I realized it was up to me. So I fired them all much to their chagrin because I needed them. I needed them, according to them, to take care of me. And it's like, well, you're doing a pretty poor job of it so far. So it's time to try a new tact. Stop taking all the medications. I started to really pay attention to how I moved, what I did, what made my pain worse, what made my pain a little bit better. I taught myself how to move again by taking just simple movement patterns. I knew enough Pilates because I'd been doing it at that point for over 13 years. So I dissected a lot of the mat exercises and just would get down on the floor and just turn them into something that felt therapeutic to me, even though I didn't even know what therapeutic exercise was. I inherently knew that if it felt good, it was okay. If it felt bad, it was probably not good for me. So I did that. And the only other thing I added was acupuncture. Mm. So between my self-exploration and self-awareness and determination on top of the acupuncture, which I'm here to tell you for your listeners, acupuncture is the bomb. It is just so magical. If you don't like needles and they freak you out, okay, so it's not for you. Um, But it's incredibly healing. And within eight months, I was completely pain-free. And then something, I was in terrible shape. I was overweight. I was in terrible shape. I was really stiff. My poor body just didn't even know what to do, but I was not in pain. So that was a huge accomplishment. And as I was trying to get my body back into a higher level of function, I got that letter. I was accepted to the graduate program for physical therapy at Colorado uh, University. And so it was like, okay, I went to PT school, got my master's degree, and I graduated three months shy of my 40th birthday with honors. So (gasps) guess what? I wasn't too old. No, you weren't. Congratulations. That's a huge thing. Wow. Uh, You know what, Cheryl? I love your attitude and your mindset towards that crushing conversation. Yes, you took, you know, a couple of days to grieve and like wallow. I think everyone deserves a couple of days to be like, take that in and like, okay, now what? Right. (laughs) But you asked your question. Now what am I going to accept that? Am I going to accept that fate? Am I going to accept that life? Does that feel good to me? Is that a life I'm going to be happy with? And you said no. And you're like, Mm -hmm. screw that. Let's do something better. So what do you think it was that kind of stirred that fight back spirit? I'm going to call it in you because you could have easily have taken what she said and been like, all right. Easily. I could have been that victim. I could have accepted that label and I could have, as you said, wallowed in it. And I did wallow for a couple of days because as you said, I really needed to. We all do when we get some information like that and somebody is crushing our soul. Yeah, it's a grieving process. Exactly. But, you know, I've had, I, I have had worked with clients, patients over the years who would take information like that and embrace it. And it's like, okay, there's nothing I can do about this. And I think that there's something deep down inside of me. I told you prior to the recording, the story of my family history and my dad coming from Czechoslovakia on the last ship out of Calais. And I think that going back and looking at my, not only my grandparents, but even my great grandparents, I really believe that there's this fighting spirit in all of us that we had to, to survive certain things. And I think that's maybe something that had always been in me. I mean, I've always been like a tenacious and stubborn child. Maybe it's your generational legacy from your family. 
I think it is. I, one of the good ones. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it is. It's definitely a blessing and it's definitely something that has served me incredibly well over the years. So for those of you who are listening, if you've ever been told that you were incredibly stubborn, embrace it because it can really help you. Yeah. In, in those moments when you need it to like punch through something. Yeah. The stubbornness is definitely one of your strengths. Question, you having been a therapist yourself in the medical field for many, many years and watching so many patients and helping them through receive probably similar diagnoses that you got, how many of them would you say took on that fighting spirit and you watched them kind of push through do you think any of those patients from your past actually kind of culminated in you and been like, I remember all these people and they got, you know, somewhat equally bad news, but they yes. kept going and I'm going to keep going. Yes, definitely. And once I did finish my master's degree in PT and went out in the field and started working in the field, I hated it, <laughs> which was like, oh, because you were just- one now delivering some of that same bad news that you got. I think that was it. And it was like, okay, here's the diagnosis. Here is the IDC nine number. Here is the protocol. Here is the treatment code. Here is the 30 minutes you get to spend with this person. And they get five treatments according to their insurance company. And then you send them off and say, good luck to you. And then there was the emphasis on you have to have a high productivity rate. So if you didn't meet your productivity, you'd get slammed, you know, you'd get doxxed on your uh, evaluation and there was a certain daily productivity. And it was like, you know what? No wonder why I didn't get any better when I was in the traditional medical field trying to get care. So it was another one of those mental head smacking moments where I was sitting in this gut-wrenchingly boring meeting the ill at work. I just wanted to stick a fork through my eye to make sure it still had a pulse. It was terrible. And in that moment, I had a, like another epiphany, this light bulb in my head went on and I just went, I don't have to do this. I can go out on my own. Not only was I a physical therapist, I was a Pilates instructor After graduating PT school, I went through two professional programs. As a dancer, I understand movement even before I went to PT school. And I had that history of being a chronic pain patient and subsequent recovery. So I just had the empathy layer that maybe some others didn't. And that understanding on a, a visceral level, understanding of what these people were going through. So I opened up my own office, uh, specializing in Pilates-based rehab and conditioning, and then later added another uh, movement modality called Feldenkrais. And the interesting thing is most of the clients that came to me were just like me. They had either been told, sorry, this is the best you're ever going to be. You have to learn how to live with it. You know, take these meds, you know, manage, manage the pain, manage Mm -hmm. your life expectations, manage the pain, managed care. The ones that would come to me are the ones that had the same type of situation that I did. They were either told deal with it. You're never going to recover. This is the best you're ever going to get. Or they had gone through physical therapy, made some improvement, but they weren't up to 100% where they wanted to be. But I did get a lot of people who were, quote unquote, hopeless cases. And one of the first one that I ever worked with when I first opened up my office, thank goodness, she didn't even tell me until it was probably her fourth session. We'd been working together just once a week for a month. 
And I mean, she came to me with tears in her eyes and she said, I cannot tell you how much better I feel. She says, you were my last hope. And I just looked at her and I said, oh, thank you for not telling me that on the first day because I don't think I could have handled the pressure. But all you have to do is give people some hope and to give them a path to healing. And not everybody's path is the same. And a lot of times in this, and I can say it because I am a PT, in the traditional physical therapy or traditional medical system, it's really bizarre that it's always this one size fits all. And it's not that way. We are different people. We have different bodies. We move differently. We have different history, biology, physiology, and you have to meet everybody where they're at. And so I had a very successful outpatient and I don't want to say outpatient practice because I didn't have patients. I had clients. It wasn't a clinic, it was an office or a studio. So just even putting the language around it was much, much different than going to a traditional physical therapist. And I closed my physical office in 2017 for a variety of different reasons. And now I do still work with people sometimes online. I do teach a lot of classes and workshops, kind of like just people hire me on consignment. Wow. Okay. And all that stemming from a conversation where you were told you were too old and too, too old. broken. Too old. Don't ever take that label on any label. It in too old, too young, too tall, too short, too thin, too full. You know, never take that. When you hear that you are too something, unless it's you're too fabulous, don't take it on. Yeah, you're too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes too much is really good if it's a good kind of too much. Yeah. But <laughs> that's like the 1% time, right? And mostly, mostly when people are telling you too much, it's actually meaning like, it's, it's again, it's their projection of them feeling not enough. And so mm-hmm. you're too much because they're not enough. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, I know the story doesn't end here. <laughs> I think there's another time in which you were told you were too old. One more little chapter of this story. So let's get to that. When was the next time you were told you were too old? Well, I began my martial arts training. It's an ancient Japanese martial art called Nimpo Taijutsu, the art of the ninja. And I began my training at the tender young age of 47. Even though I did not go willingly, there is a really big backstory behind it of why I started training. I won't go into the details, but I had a very traumatic experience at the age of 44. Now, when I was 44, because I graduated from PT school almost at 40, And those next years from 40 to 44, I was really getting my stuff together. I got back into shape. I opened my own practice. Life was so good. It was wonderful. And then I got kind of like the rug pulled out from underneath me at the age of 44. Fast forward. Oh, I met a man shortly after it happened. And he was an acupuncturist. He was my new acupuncturist. He was also a martial artist and had a martial arts school right next to his clinic. And he kept trying to get me to train with him. And it's, I'm not going to do it. Martial arts, ooh, icky. I'm not going to do it. I do ballet. I do Pilates. I'm a fussy girl. Martial arts, just not in my radar or DNA. No, it's never going to happen. Well, anyhow, three years later, he broke me and I decided, okay, I will take a few classes just to prove to you how much I'm going to hate it. So there I was 47, this little middle-aged princess, ballet, Pilates, pedicures, point shoes, tutus, all that kind of stuff. And there I was in a martial arts studio surrounded by a bunch of men and I'm the only woman there. And of course my girlfriends were horrified. 
that I was starting martial arts. However, these were the same girlfriends in ballet class that when I was traumatized and I, they knew something had happened to me, they could tell I lost 10 pounds in two weeks and they knew something was wrong. But yet when I tried to tell them, they would just dismiss me. That can't happen. That can't happen. You're making it up. So here I started this martial art. And even within a matter of a month, I was feeling better. I could feel my energy starting to come back. I could feel that inner strength and spirit start to return something that had been taken from me. And it's so funny because I'd go to ballet class and you'd see bruises on my wrists from all the wrist grabs and escapes and all this stuff. And they're like, you can't do that. You need to stop. Martial arts isn't good for you. You're going to get hurt. You're just too old. Look at the bruising, blah, 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 blah. And I wanted to say, you know, wait a minute. You didn't even give me the time of day when I was obviously struggling and suffering and incredible physical and emotional pain. And now I'm going to take your advice. Oh, just watch me. So basically 10 years after I first stepped onto that mat, I became my teacher's first female black belt. So at the age of 57, I earned my black belt and I was his first woman to ever achieve such a high rank. Only one other has done it since then. So yeah, in 20 years of teaching, he never had a student achieve, a female achieve her black belt. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. Yay. Thank you. I, lo- I love to hear when, you know, somebody blazes a trail and they're the first to go forward and do it just to show other people that, that, yeah, it's possible. I did it and you can do it too. You know, and when I did it, I didn't come from a a place of strength or confidence Mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, I was truly once again, broken and the transformation, it wasn't overnight, of course, but the transformation in my life and in my personality and, you know, in my, it's like all of a sudden the real me came out. I felt like I, I did when I was a little girl and when I could do what I wanted, you know, within of course the parameters of, well, don't play in the traffic, but I just felt like I had that childlike spirit back. Good, good, good. I love it. I love it. All right. So you've been told multiple times over your life from the age of 18, all the way up to 50 plus that you are too old. What do you have to say to anyone else listening who has received that message from people in their life, even if it's family and friends who think that they're doing what's best for you and supporting you or some officially certified professional who has the credentials to say what they say, what few things do you have to share with other people who might be struggling with being told that they're too old? Well, the first thing, if it's coming from one of the experts and I'm using air quotes here, you know, just kind of laugh in their face if you want to, or say, thank you very much. I appreciate your opinion. And then just walk away and say, watch me. And go get a second opinion. Yeah. Well, and the second opinion is basically you. If you think you can do it, if you think you're not too old, you're not. And I'm here to tell you, you are not too old to do anything that you want to. I started pole dancing at the age of 58. And I recently met a woman who had started pole dancing when she was 68. She's now 71. She's still on the pole and she looks fabulous. I'm sure some people had told her along the way not to do it. She's too old but you're not too old. I have another friend who is 92. I think she's turning 93 soon. And she is still a avid writer. 
She is constantly writing articles. You know, she has many books out and stuff. Nobody's telling Sue that she's too old to do anything. Even She's a powerhouse and she'll run over you even if you do tell her that she's too old. So it's all about that mindset and not allowing anybody else to put a label on you that you really inherently understand is not you. And you have to put up, as you said earlier in the show, those defenses, and you have to strengthen those defenses in whatever way that you can. If it's looking at yourself in the mirror every morning going, you are fabulous. You are beautiful. You are smart. You are creative. You are just keep coming up with all of those fantastic positive words to describe you because we are all inherently beautiful and magnificent creatures with so much to offer, especially after we pass a certain age. I mean, life for me really didn't even start to get good until I was 50. And then it just got better and better. My 50s were so good that when I turned 60, I went running toward it with open arms going, bring it on, baby. You know? Yeah. It's just all about how you feel about yourself and don't let other people suck the life out of you because they can and they will and they do. I am a huge believer in affirmations and have in using that as a really simple tool to rewire your brain from all of the messaging that you receive on the daily from outside sources. You know, my first career was advertising. So I know all the things about like, conditioning the brain and repetition and, you know, how often does someone see this message from this brand to get them to like, Ooh, I need that. Right. Mm -hmm. Or whatever it could be. So the power of words is really, really strong. And so you need to start speaking to yourself Mm -hmm. words that you want to believe about yourself, even if they feel untrue at the time, if you just keep doing it, your brain will eventually over time accept it as the truth because here's the thing about the brain. And I love telling this to people is like our brains are just giant supercomputers and they do not know the difference between the truth and the lie. It literally just reads data. Mm -hmm. So it'll read whatever message you give it. Mm -hmm. So if you tell yourself, I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too tired, I'm exhausted. Well, guess what? That's what you're going to be. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying, I'm young, I'm vitality, I'm energetic, I'm spirited, I'm fun, like then it's going to actually believe all of those things that you tell yourself. And reiterate that by writing it down, not typing it in your computer, but writing it down, you know, pen and pencil, you know, to paper, because that activates another part of your brain that reinforces those messages even more. So yeah, that's a wonderful way to start every single day. Even if you're feeling on top of the world, you just look and say, hey, I'm on top of the world. Look at me. How much higher can I climb? Yeah, because it's so funny. It's like if you know somebody in your life who is always tired and all they keep saying is, I'm so tired, I'm so exhausted. Guess Mm -hmm. what? They're just going to stay tired and exhausted. Yeah. And when you're sick and tired, you're always sick and tired. Sick and tired. Yeah. All right. Well, Cheryl, you certainly showed so many people over the course of your life that you are not too old uh, to do anything. So something that I love to ask guests all the time is now what, what's going on with you? What are, what are you smashing? What, what are you breaking through? What are you doing right now? Okay. So that's, wow. That's a loaded question. I'm working on another book. It's a follow-up to the one about my ninja story 
the ninja book is my memoir. Now I'm doing one about the secrets of the ninja, the secrets of the warrior queen, kind of like a how-to. I'm just starting that. I'm not sure if it's going to work out or not, but hey, I'm going to give it a try and see what happens. I am also working on my third degree black belt. So it's something that it might not happen anytime soon, but oh, I know it's going to happen. And then the other thing is I might be doing a competition in the fall. It's uh, an organization called PSO, Pole Sport Organization. And they have competitions all around the country. And I did one my coach talked me into competing in 19. So it was 2019. So I did do a pole competition then, and it was grueling to train for it. And it was the most frightening thing I've ever done in my life. And as you know, I've done a lot of frightening things. And I didn't even know if I was going to step out onto the stage at the last minute until I did. And then it was so much fun. I absolutely loved it. And so that's one of the things I'm working on too. I already have the routine down. I just need to perfect it and get the strength and the stamina. So Awesome. Oh my God. It's so much fun. All right. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to follow more of your story and your journey, if they want to work with you, where can people find you? Where do you like to hang out? Well, you can always go to my website, CherylILove.com. And there's no E on I love. Everybody puts it there just out of habit. And sometimes I even do that myself. You can go to LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. You can, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm not as active on Instagram, but yeah. And of course, Amazon with the books and I'm pretty much everywhere. If you just Google Cheryl, I love a lot of stuff will come up. I do have a podcast and I have a beautiful guest by the name of Jessica Stevens, who was on it recently. So the podcast is the Femininja Project. You can check that out as well. And yeah, if you can't find me, you're not looking. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, Cheryl, that is it for us today. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. Such a true inspiration because I know so many people have been getting that same message that you got that they're too old or too something and they really need some tools to kind of combat that and some encouragement that they can remove the label and decide for themselves what they are. So if this episode resonated with you, please give it a like, give it a share, share it to social. Or if you know somebody who is currently feeling like they're too old or too whatever, please send them this episode. It may just help them figure out their own now what. So you can find me at jess.loves.life on Instagram and TikTok. And um, we will see you next week for another amazing now what story. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do how to move forward and help you answer. Now what? See you on the next episode.